It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever Wherever we we can can find it. it. So, Amy, you just got back from a... Big yeah. trip. I know. We were, How are you? Good. It was, we were down in Mexico visiting Assisi, my mother-in-law, and that was really fun. It was warm. And you, and know. you, you guys celebrated Day of the Dead? Dead, yeah. yeah. So, I'm so anxious to learn more about that. Yeah, well, yeah I'm going to talk a little bit about my trip down to Ajiji, Mexico. Oh, so That's just fun to hear. Yeah. This is episode 108, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, well, probably more than a little, Brad Montague. I don't know if you remember Kid President. Right, yeah. Back in, like, 2012. He's the one who created it, or kind of co-creator of it. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about one of the cool people in another one of the books that he did. Oh, great. Last week, my family and I, well, minus Lucy, since she's away Mm -hmm. at U of O, went to Ajijic, Mexico, to visit my mother-in-law, Cece, for a few days to celebrate Dia de las Mortes, or also known as Day of the Dead. The Day of the Dead largely developed in Mexico, where it's mostly observed, but also in other places, especially by Mexican heritage elsewhere. Although related to simultaneously Christians' remembrance for All Saints Day, which is more solemn tone, Day of the Dead is portrayed as a holiday of joyful celebration rather than mourning. The multi-day holiday involves family, friends, gathering to pay respects, and to remember friends and family members who have died. These celebrations can take a humorous tone as celebrants remember funny events and anecdotes about the departed. I love that. It's, That's how I want to be remembered. I yeah. really loved it. Yeah. So it's traditionally celebrated on November 1st and 2nd. We stayed in Ahihik um, as a taxi cab driver pronounced it Ahihik, like <laughs> the laughing village. It's about 20 or 30 minute cab ride from Guadalajara, depending on the driver, yeah. you know, <laughs> we, we drove pretty fast, so, but we stayed in one of uh, Cece's friend's rental just around the corner from her, it was super cute, and I, I love the architecture in Mexico, the The home we stayed in, uh, the ceiling was arched with, like, exposed brick, mm-hmm. and then had little niches, like, where you could display, like, like, the indigenous art, mm-hmm. or, you know, just cute things, and I love the tile in the bathrooms, yeah. they're yeah. really cute. But the really neat thing, Cece created an ofrienda for us at the rental we were at. It's an altar to remember our loved ones who passed away. She had photos of her parents and my parents and my brother. How It was sweet. a surprise. And there were cute little miniature foods of their favorites. Mm-hmm. And even little cigarettes because her mom and my dad and brother were smokers. Okay. So there was little teeny cigarettes. Aww. And then there are pots of marigolds. And marigolds are, I didn't know, but they're an iconic part of this celebration. They're named Flowers of the Dead, as their sweet fragrance is said to attract souls to the altar and help loved ones find their way home. Besides the marigolds that were part of the ofrenda Cece made, they were everywhere. I mean, all over Hihihi. I mean, there are pots of marigolds in front of homes and businesses, even like marigold buds lining little windowsills. We, I told you about that restaurant we went into that was completely adorned. Marigold buds, you know, strung from ceiling, you know, to floor, uh, even framing the bar. I mean, I just want to do that here. I mean, it, not necessarily with marigolds because oh, I don't want to be disrespectful yeah. to them. But 
It was gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it was totally a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Okay, back to the offeranda. <laughs> she had candles and colorful, like the Day of the Dead flags kind mm-hmm. of around the edge of it. It was really thoughtfully made. And one night, we lit the candles, and we went around the table sharing stories. And it was really special and, and, and such a great way to remember, you know, departed family members. We laughed a little. We didn't get too emotional. and mm-hmm. We kind of told funny stories. But it really touched me and, and inspired me to create one in our home next year here in Beaverton, yeah, Oregon. No, so I love that. It, it, it's, I think Good it's idea. a neat way to, to remember to people. Remember. And I've been wanting to find a way yeah. to kind of remember uh, especially my brother. So yeah. I was really, I think that's, yeah. yeah, it's really neat. Good, good, good. The title Becoming Better Grownups definitely got my attention. Oh, yeah. And how could it not? I mean, the book itself didn't seem like something I would typically read. It's filled with a bunch of drawings, which makes sense since the author, Brad Montague, is an artist. Like a legit artist. <laughs> yeah. His works regularly featured in Joanna Gaines' The Magnolia Journal. Okay. Which I don't really, I don't read that. Well, I don't, shouldn't say I don't really. I don't at all. Yeah. But he's a real artist. Unless it's a children's picture book, I'm not really into books that yeah. have a lot of artwork, which I know makes me a funny daddy, but still the title got the best of me and I decided to give it a read. Yeah. Doodles and all. And I must be getting soft because I recently broke down and watched some animated Star Wars to learn oh. more about Ahsoka Tano. Wow. So that's who I was for Halloween. And oh, cool. she now, yeah, she probably is my new favorite character. But for some reason, I just can't get excited about animation. I mean, yeah. I loved the, um, there are certain movies that I like, but. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. What about you? Do you have any? I, I like, I mean, I like animation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like those. There are certain ones like we were talking about Coco, right? With the yeah, that um, yeah. But in general, I don't. I guess I'm an old person. <laughs> I'm just not creative or something. I mean, oh, there's I just know, something but... that I'm missing that I don't oh. get excited about that. And I'm worried I might feel the same way about comics and comic like work. And okay. I really don't want to be that person because right. my kids are really into like the graphic art books. And right. So anyway. Maybe that's a deep dive, but I feel like the it just makes the message a little more juvenile. Right, yeah. I mean, that might be what it is. So, anyway, I don't know, and unpacking that, it's definitely not inspirational. But regardless, this book was so encouraging, and the cutesy artwork totally worked. So, it pulled me in, and it kept me. <laughs> Yay. The drawings match the heart of the book, and I don't Aww. just mean because the subjects he covers. Yeah. But he actually shared lessons he learned from a listening tour of children across the United States. Cool. And I got to say, those kids taught him some pretty profound things. One thing I didn't know was that Brad Montague is a co-creator of Kid President. Oh. Do you remember Kid President? I remember it, but yeah. Um, Also known as Robbie Novak. I was asking, you know, my early morning class if they remembered Kid President. And out of the 15 people that were there, there was one woman who knew who I was talking about. So everyone else, you know. know, But now they know. Yeah. Well, I will remind them of who it is. I told them to go look it up. And I just think that everyone should know about this adorable and wise internet sensation who gave us all sorts of practical and common sense advice back in 2012. And it's still, it, you know, it still is stuck. Yeah. There, um, 
will have to be another separate podcast on <laughs> Robbie Novak and the kid president because he deserves one all of his on his own. He's an amazing kid in himself. But um, this listening tour that Brad embarked on was to learn from the kids he encountered, and he ended up talking to some adults too. But for the most part, it was kids, and he would occasionally ask a few questions like what they thought of grown-ups, what kind of grown-up they wanted to be when they grew oh. up, and how grown-ups could do better. Which I, I loved, loved all I of those questions. Too. Yeah. He got replies like, grown-ups <laughs> should be cool. Uh-huh. And then he'd ask, you know, what's cool? And it was the opposite of what we would consider cool. But one child commented that adults just keep getting older. They get older and get older and then they die. Oh. <laughs> one kiddo named Hayden was inspired by the question and created the Declaration of Kid Dependence. Oh. And this is the declaration. I declare the freedom of kids because adults mistreat us because of our age. (laughs) We, the kids, should be treated with respect as adults have for each other. We, the kids, should have fun because all work, school, and no play is no way to live. We, the kids, 0 to 18 years old, should be loved and be treated nicely for we have only a limited amount of time before adulthood. We, the kids, want rights. Oh, exclamation point. I love it. We the kids want freedom. Exclamation point. <laughs> so I guess Hayden had that hung up at their house, according to their mom. Oh. And just talk about a future leader. Yeah. I love that. The responses were varied, but one thing was incredibly clear. Kids wanted grown-ups to be present instead of big, busy, and boring adults that they were. Talk about ouch. Yeah, that and is. We've, I, we've I discussed know that. this. Yeah. yeah. That's... Montague pointed out that often the way kids were describing adults in their lives was like Gargamel <laughs> on the Smurfs. Oh. Do you remember Gargamel? I do. And my youngest one, Ellie, was scared of him. Oh, well, who? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, totally get that. She was littler when, when we watched some of those shows, but yeah. Um, in his book, Kid President Guide to Being Awesome, who um, Montague also wrote with um, Bobby Mo. Novak. Montague talks with Olivia Wilde. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, several stars in there, but the duo, Kid President and Brad Montague, ask her to finish the sentence, the world would be more awesome if... Oh. And she answered, if Smurfs were real, chocolate was a vegetable, <laughs> and we all realized how much we have in common. Oh, I, I this love that. lady. Yeah. yeah. So... In that book, I learned that Wilde works with an organization called Artists for Peace and Justice to bring education, health care, and basic infrastructure to Haiti. Growing up, her parents were journalists, and she watched a documentary on Somalia that her mom had made and realized when she was 10 years old, she realized she had won the life lottery. That's what she called it. Wow. I need to remember that sometimes. I just... I, I, I... think that's at 10 years old that she came up with that she was way ahead of me for sure i honestly kind of too (laughs) um i honestly kind of forgot about the smurfs on saturday mornings growing up and i loved this fun reminder and i most definitely don't want to be compared to oh no kidding or his cat for that matter yeah one person i wouldn't mind being compared to is fred rogers and you know you've Talked about Fred Rogers before. And Montague pointed out that Mr. Rogers is always right. <laughs> Which, true. Yeah, he seems to have it. He had it together, yeah. for sure. The more I learn about him, the more I wish I was into the show as a kid. 
I'm sure I'd be a much better person today if I had been. He was revered by kids and adults alike. With requests to speak to audiences full of Hollywood celebrities, heads of state, educators, and migrant workers. I mean, talk about a diverse mix of people. Right, that's a mix, yeah. Yeah. So he even contributed to a medical book. Oh. I learned this in this book. I didn't know that. Dwayne's Ophthalmology. Wow. So a doctor helping people see, he wanted Mr. Rogers to remind his colleagues that they were all once children too. So he'd have messages and words of wisdom to share with all of these diverse groups, but he'd often close in the same way. He'd ask his audience to silently reflect on specific individuals who had helped them become who they needed to be. The people who, as he said, smiled you into smiling, people who have talked you into talking, sung you into singing, loved you into loving. I, I just think that's sweet. For Montague, his reminder was to be the person you needed to be when you were younger. He had a maker's map in the book. And like I said, I'm not really into the artsy stuff, but this (laughs) totally worked. And I could so relate. It had like Comparison Canyon, Doubt Valley, Curiosity Crossing, Fog of Fear, Tar Pits of Approval, Cliffs of Comfort, Guilt Gulch, (laughs) Mines of Hustle. You get the idea. As people were all over the map with... A story-filled sky, as he put it, and we all need more heart-led work. Yeah. I I wanted to highlight that with the heart-led work. More listening, sharing, exploring, inviting. You know, he shared these stories together, and he called the campfire and the diamonds that he learned from the kids. So getting together at the campfire and warming up and feeling good, and the, the, the things he was learning from the kids were actually diamonds. At the bottom of the map is a tiny Latin phrase, per aspera ad astra, means through difficulties to the stars. And it was Monica's reminder that there are no cheat codes in life. There's no shortcut. This life is a journey, and it's so much better with others. It's true, we don't have a rainbow without rain. Right, yeah. The stars are only visible in the darkness. And I just, I appreciated his simple, childlike reminder. Yeah. In the middle of storms... It's easy to forget this. Once again, it goes back to Mr. Rogers reminding us to look for the helpers in bad times. That's one thing I always remember, I think about with Mr. Rogers. I love a phrase Montague coined along his listening tour, (laughs) joy rebels. Oh, cool. I could make a bumper sticker with that. I love it. Not only do I love the name, but I love the examples he shared. There was a seven-year-old girl who made less garbage every day handouts to help address climate change. Yeah, I mean, she's seven. I just think that's adorable. Her teacher helped her get it online, thankfully, so she wasn't killing more trees. But I just love her moxie. There's a group of fourth graders in Mr. Nelson's class that had a surprise kindness jar. Everyone from the custodial staff to the lunchroom staff, you know, all these people were put in there. And when a name was pulled from the jar, they were showered with kindness. How cool is that? I love it. And easy. I mean, it's something you could easily do with people you know. He shared about a young boy named Elijah Evans who organized Christmas parties for foster kids and now leads an organization called No Use for Abuse. All of these were young kids making a real difference in the world in their own unique and creative ways. Monica pointed out that part of growing up is discovering your power in the world, which made me feel like it's time for me 
to grow up and find that power. I just, I, I love his examples of simplicity. Yeah. I mean. And we often un- underestimate children. Absolutely. You know? And ourselves. Yeah. We don't think we can do much. Right. And he said, often these are not grand gestures, yeah. but small acts of caring and daring that have a direct impact on people. It's joyfully rebelling against childishness to embrace a childlikeness. It's trading selfishness for generosity, entitlement for compassion, fear for fascination, and anger for amazement. See why I love this book? That's awesome. <laughs> that, should be a, that should be a bumper sticker. I know. Or a tattoo. Yeah. But it's just a bumper sticker. But he shared two sisters, Katie and Claire, who collect used eyeglasses for an optometrist to take and distribute in Haiti. Oh, he wow. shares a young man named Brent who works to make the world a better place by making a better audiobook collection in oh. the assisted living center where his grandmother lives. Oh, that's awesome. So he just saw this need and he decided to help out. Where adults might think they can't do enough to change the world, so they see something like that and it's, you know, they don't even want to bother because it's they see it as too complex and we can't, you know, solve the problem, so why even bother trying? These kids don't concern themselves with those worries. It's just simple. They're naive, maybe, but no one would argue that they indeed are making the world a better place. Oh, little sure. things at a time. Yeah. yeah. Montague talks about how incredibly rude Martin Sheen can be in conversation. Oh. I know. And it upset me for a couple of reasons. First, I hate negative gossip. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. Secondly, I like Martin Sheen. Yeah. And I didn't want to hear anything that might change my opinion of him. I was relieved to get the whole story, a good lesson to not just read the headline, right, which right. I am guilty of. Um, Montague was chatting with Martin Sheen one time, and he, he was listening intently as Sheen was giving him a list of book suggestions that had changed his life. Abruptly, in the middle of this, Sheen takes off after a pregnant woman, totally leaving Montague to feel you know pretty insecure oh. that he was so boring that Martin Sheen would rather dash off to a pregnant sta- stranger and continue talking with him. Sheen asked when she was due, how she was feeling, if she had any names picked out. And apparently when he came back, he was so enthusiastic. Montague wondered if Sheen had ever seen a pregnant woman before. <laughs> um, he apologized. Sheen had apologized and said that he always stops for babies, Aww. returning to their conversation with a glow about Aww. him. So he just, I mean, it filled so, him up. Right, something he gets joy from. Yes, and he, and they get, I'm right. sure they get joy I'm from sure, it. I'm sure, yeah. Um, I guess there's something about seeing children as wonder and hope. And for Sheen, he wanted to be their biggest fan. Aww. There's an Indian poet, Rabindarath Tagore, who wrote, Every child comes with a message that God is not yet discouraged of man. I love that he found this, Montague found this. There's a 77-year-old retired minister friend of Montague's that um, told him that he has boxes and boxes of art and objects that children had given to him throughout the years, you know, while he was a pastor or a minister, including macaroni necklaces, probably plural. I've got those. Um, He sees, have you kept your kids's? I do. I have them in my, with my... Other jewelry. I don't, I don't wear a lot of jewelry, but I still have But your macaroni necklace They're is there, there just in case. He sees these presents as the purest gifts possible. And Aww. the simplicity of a child and their expression of deep love 
they it all left this minister with hope. Yeah. And that made those pieces of art worth keeping apparently right. forever in boxes. Part of what I loved about Brad Montague's book um, was just his simple common sense reminders. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than going back and looking through a child's lens. The other thing I really admired about him was his openness and transparency. He starts the book with things that Brad can't do, (laughs) noting it's only a partial list. Um, And on that list, some of the things were button shirts properly, eat with a fork, math, sit in a chair, find car keys, pronounce GIF. I'm finally pronouncing it properly, I think. I used to always be like, G-I-F. So pronounce GIF correctly. Athletics. Yeah. So this guy isn't just funny. He's humble, too. When he was scheduled to receive a reward and attend a fancy dinner in Washington, it gave him extreme anxiety, which I totally get. Especially if he can't properly button a (laughs) shirt. I understand why he was nervous. But what was he most nervous about? It was that he was worried people would ask him the question. Well, he knew people would ask him the question, what do you do? Oh, yeah. So, technically, he had to reply, draw. But for whatever reason, he didn't feel like that was adequate. I think that's sad. Yeah. Because he's extremely talented, very successful, and he didn't feel adequate. He allowed himself to feel inferior enough that he considered to answer the question with a doctor. But he quickly decided against it just in case there was some sort of emergency. <laughs> and, you know, they asked if there was a doctor in the building. And he he knew that they would instantly out him. To add to the stress, he spotted the name plaque next to us. Oh. And it was Sonia Sotomayor. Oh. Can you imagine? That would be. Oh, I, I, yeah. He's nervous enough already. It and then having famous. And- yeah. A Supreme Court justice. I can't right. imagine. No, I probably would be excited, but. Do you have someone famous that would make you nervous to sit next to? Well, practically anyone famous, <laughs> I would be nervous. I'm, I'm nervous around non-famous people because I'm kind of shy and introverted. So, yeah, I, I would probably be having a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. So after all that fretting, Justice Sotomayor asked him, what do you love about what you do? Oh, that's a great question. I know. That's nice. And just the relief he must have felt as that. I mean, that was an easy question for him to answer. Yeah. Later in the conversation, he asked Justice Sonnemeyer what made her ask that question since it's not, you know, the usual one. Right. And I love her response. She pointed out that if she asked what someone did, they always just responded with a noun. And that mm-hmm. wasn't what she was looking for. You know, she wanted more than that. Right. I am so guilty of asking questions that can be answered with just one word right. and, you know, often with a noun. And this whole interaction is going to have me working on that for sure. As Brad put it, ask the better question and you'll get the better introdu- yeah. introduction. I love it. Me too. When we're asking sincere, genuine questions versus the standard canned options, right. we're operating, as he said, out of love and not just a desire to be loved. Yeah. I love another lesson he learned from a teacher who he dubbed the mad scientist. Apparently, this professor gave everyone experiments that they were guaranteed to fail. So I'm sure some parents would be very upset about that. But we're so often consumed with just the fear of failure that we hold ourselves back, kids and adults alike. So this teacher was on to that and... 
by getting the failure out of the way, they could just relax and focus on learning, which I think is brilliant. So cool. After all, failure, if done correctly, is learning. For sure. We see the success of people who've made it. But yeah. we don't see the years of work and, you know, all the times they rise from falling and right. failures. So partway through his listening tour, he decided to give some adults a chance to talk. Probably his oldest participant was Walker Whittle, a 95-year-old World War II veteran and retired business professor. Whittle broke it down into chapters of life. Infancy, which he said was innocence. Youth, time of discovery. 13 to 19, uncertainty, yet decision. (laughs) 20 to 30, direction and wonder. Oh, I like the wonder part. Me too. 30 to 40, production and expectation. (laughs) True, right there. 40 to 70, regret or rejoicing. Wow. 70, satisfaction and seeking. I love that Montague asked him about making the wrong choice and what if he failed. And his response was, don't worry, you will fail. <laughs> and that made him feel, you know, worse. He's like, what kind oh. of an answer is that? But he, his point was, keep trying and learning. Failure is part of the process. It means that you're living. His point is that we get do-overs. Once again, yeah. I love the simplicity of children. And I love Mr. Whittle's pro-failing stance. Yeah. So I talked about his chapters of life, but I wanted to read Walker Whittle's life list regarding wisdom and encouragement. So like I said, this is from a 95-year-old World War II veteran who had been a professor all of his life, was retired. Number one, do not be afraid. Number two, trust. Three, pray frequently. You don't have to be on your knees to pray. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, have some values that are unchangeable. Number five, recognize your limitations without stressing yourself out. Number six, treat your fellow man or woman, I'm adding the woman, like you would like to be treated. Number seven, commend and compliment the success of others. Number eight, do for others without expecting anything in return. Number nine, be kind and courteous. Number 10, let the light be your life, be your daily living. None of these are worthwhile unless God is in number one, which was do not be afraid, which I love that man. While it's encouraging to know that failure is actually not only acceptable, but a good thing, even when you know that, it still doesn't make it fun. Yeah. I mean, failure is downright painful. And I laughed when, um, there were a lot of points in this book that I laughed, but I laughed when he pointed out that he's most certainly alive <laughs> after his mentor pointed out that he, that failing is a sign of, of living, <laughs> that you're alive. Apparently, lobsters go through growing pains too. Oh. We've, you and I have often talked about butterflies and their metamorphosis. Yeah. I'm going to still, butterflies are going to be my my thing, but um, he talked about lobsters, and I was completely unaware of how they grow, or probably more so how quickly they grow. I guess they molt about 44 times before wow. their first birthday. Holy moly, yes. I can't hear the That's word. That's a lot of rebirth. It is. A lot of work there. And I can't hear about lobsters without thinking of friends. Did you watch Friends? I a little bit. Lobster. Yeah. yeah. Lobsters grow by molting, or echidesis, which is Greek for putting it off. 
As lobsters grow, they could stay in their current shell and eventually die there because, you know, they would literally be squeezed to death. Mm. But bravely, the lobsters expose themselves. They find a dark place to hide from predators during this very dangerous stage where they could, right. obviously. Um, here, the lobster waits until its new shell grows. Each time that happens, they get bigger and stronger. Still, every time, they have to go through that painful process. I guess lobsters don't sit there and dwell on their past either. With their old shell, they eat it (laughs) for nourishment as they're waiting for their new one to grow. That's very renewable. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I never would have guessed I could learn so much from a lobster, but I really, I need to be more like a lobster, I guess. I so loved the mad scientist approach with failure, but probably my favorite teacher story in this book was a couple of teachers named Charisse and Catherine. One teacher was in New England, in the New England area, and the other was in the Ozarks. So basically, city kids, country kids, pretty much opposites there. Knowing that, the teachers organized a pen pal type of thing where the kids could get to know each other. They started with things that they had in common. What they did in school, you know, sports, extracurricular activities. The kids found out that they had things in common, but they also realized that they had a whole lot more differences. Pretty remarkably, when subjects might have gotten heated or mean, these kids went back to things they had in common, Mm -hmm. and they'd write about those instead. I thought it was such just a great experiment to begin with. But I love that we can all learn from their interaction. Adults and kids alike need to be more like those those kids that yeah. just found the common interests in each right. other and respected each other. Thank goodness we aren't all the same. Because can you imagine how boring it right, would be? for sure. But it's fun to talk about the stuff we both like and discuss the differences we have, too. We don't grow by only hanging out with the people that are exactly like us. So it's important to branch out. In doing that, we're going to have disagreements for sure. And that's absolutely all right. Another great thing about kids, they can have some pretty ugly arguments. Yeah. They get it all out. And then they can be buddies on the playground the next morning. They move on. Yeah. Us grudge-collecting adults definitely could take note from these kids. I'm only touching on some of the lessons. Seriously, people need to read this book. Kind of like your first love book. Um, but close to the end, he discussed an astronaut, an aquanaut, who I'm going to end up doing a long on because this guy's just amazing. He shared some very wise words. Ron Guerin grew up watching the Apollo 11 moon landing, and it inspired him to be an astronaut. So an aquanaut is basically the same thing, but underwater. Oh, okay. So he did both of them. Um, He pointed out that when he, you know, he was up in space, he's looking at Earth, He was just thinking about how we're all one people, one planet, and one common future. We weren't meant to be someone's competition. Right. We were meant to be, you know, we're complementary. We're puzzle pieces that all fit together, which I just loved that concept. But he alludes to one of my favorite movies, Armageddon. That's a good one. It's very good. And he doesn't actually name it, but I have no doubt that's what he's referencing with... um, you know, he talks about sending people to space to drill because the asteroid's going to hit the Earth. There are all sorts of explosions to prevent this asteroid from destroying Earth. Kind of like they just did with an asteroid. I think they oh, 
They, really? Yeah, they diverted one and it bounced. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. I was. I think that was a couple of weeks back. Mm. I don't know. Garen points out that that's the type of stuff for Hollywood as far as the explosions <laughs> and going up and drilling yeah. the asteroid. But the actual solution would be much less dramatic. And obviously, because I haven't even heard of this one that you're talking about. Maybe I made it up. I think it really <laughs> no, happened. I'm sure it did. Scientists could use the force, as he said, the force of a feather to move an asteroid. Well, they have to do, I mean, it wouldn't be a feather, but just give it a nudge right. to change that, the... I think that's what they did, <laughs> so, just to kind of... Yeah. Like even a puff. Like it was like a, to bat yeah. it out of the way. Yeah, just enough to change the trajectory, hence saving the planet. I think his point is that little nudges can have such an enormous impact in space as well as on Earth. Brad pointed out, I love how I'm saying his first name now, Brad Montague <laughs> pointed out, that a day hasn't gone by after hearing that from astronaut Ron, that he doesn't think about small, insignificant pushes that alter the course of his life and the lives of those around him. Every Each and every day. I mean, one tiny nudge can transform everything. Ron told him, we're going to steer ourselves toward the beautiful, positive, visionary future. It just takes daily nudges. He might have ruined the movie for me a bit, for sure, but it's totally worth it for this reminder. Gentle nudges can make a huge difference in space as well as on Earth. I could go on and on and on, (laughs) you know how I can, with fun stories shared throughout this book. Well, I guess I should say books because of the Kid President book that he wrote, too, but it's a simple message for sure, but so many of us miss it. Us adults get too focused on the grind. Yeah. Like I said, we behave, me included, like Gargamel. Right. Brad wanted the kids to think grown-ups were wise, brave, successful, and cool. And he found that wasn't what they discussed. Instead, his listening tour pointed out how busy and boring us adults are to kids. And he's right that we need to see the world with their simplicity and how they care for people, love on people. We need to do that just like kids do. Martin Sheen was on to something. Kids keep us hopeful, and we need to be their cheerleaders. In in his book on how to be awesome, Brad suggests to treat others like it's their birthday. And oh. I love this. Not with cake or ice yeah. cream, though I'm sure he wouldn't be opposed to that. But just do little things to make them feel special. I don't have the time or resources to embark on a listening tour. But I most certainly can treat people like it's their birthday. And I think it'll be a fun experiment. Um, This guy, Brad Montague, has a creative mind, has come up with some super fun ways to make the world better. I wasn't at all surprised to see that he's friends with Bob Goff. Oh, wow. Yeah. so cool. He's in the How to Be Awesome book. And he shared how Bob is making a difference. Really, Brad just took Mr. Rogers' concept that we're all kids once and expanded on it. Right. He gave me something to think about for sure. I need to work on being a better adult. I need to work on being the adult I needed as a kid. Brad also noted that hope, love, and joy are the best kinds of contagious. And good can and does spread. And I totally think he's proof of that. This book, like I said, it has a lot of doodles, but oh my gosh, so inspiring. I think everyone should read it. Be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Brad Montague. (music) 
One of the rules in Montague's book on Kid President, Guide to Being Awesome, was number 75. Start with your heart and then just start. There's a young lady he used as an example of this rule, and it's inspired me to do more for sure. And isn't that what it's all about? Vivian saw photos of two young boys in slavery while she was in a gallery with her family. She decided she was going to raise money to end childhood slavery, and she was planning to do it the old-fashioned way with a lemonade stand. Oh. So keep in mind, yeah. Vivian was 10 years old. She was determined to raise this money to get kids out of slavery. I love the, like, I just love this, like, kids thinking that that's actually They can do it. Possible. Yeah, exactly. Her mother gave her a realistic figure. Vivian would have to raise like $150,000. And you would think that number would scare Vivian, but it didn't at all. A few weeks into this lemonade stand, they had made like $50. She was charging $2 a cup. Wow. So Vivian and her parents decided to change the strategy a bit, and they offered free lemonade with a donation bucket. After that, you know, they had, it kind of expanded and snowballed. They had a crowdfunding, and later this young lady would be addressing the United Nations and other giant international events in an attempt to save children and end childhood slavery. These kids... Come from countries, I mean, we don't even understand it. Countries that are so poor that parents sometimes feel they are left with no choice but to sell their kids. So you, her point was that you don't have to be big or powerful to change right. the world. You can just be like me. Start with your heart and then just start. She has um, Make a Stand, and actually they have a documentary on her, which oh. I need to go watch. It's hashtag... Make a stand. Like I said, she's addressed the United Nations. This girl is just changing the world. And I love that she started it with just a lemonade stand. And like, how can I help? So the movie is hashtag stand with me. It was released in 2014. I can't believe I haven't heard of it ever. But when she was asked what it is to make a stand... Her reply was to Brad Montague and Kid President that it's more than a product. It's a promise. It's about finding what's in your heart, turning your compassion into action, and never, ever giving up. The world needs more people who do that. I love that this, I mean, she was 10 years old at the time. Yes, exactly. And she's absolutely right. Absurd times call for absurd amounts of love. Brad Montague. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.